Welcome to the Dave Witty Show. I'm your host, Dave Witty. Folks, episode seven's here. Thanks again for everybody who's tuned in and commented, liked, or send along some words of encouragement. Uh, it's really been a, a lot of fun doing these over the last few weeks, and I love to hear the feedback from everybody. So, so thanks again for everybody who has tuned in so far. Uh, episode seven is here, like I mentioned. Got another great episode action-packed. Uh, had a great interview with Mallory Johnson from her home in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, was so fortunate enough that she could join me and we chatted for about an hour or so about, you know, about Mallory, you know, heading to Nashville, making that decision. And uh, we chat some music and L and ECMAs and, um, you know, she's just so sweet and lovely. I mean, you chat with Mallory, it's like, you know, in your whole life. I first met her when she actually recorded on a a record I put out in 2015 on a song called Idaho. I was kind of looking for a duo duet kind of partner for this song. It kind of featured a guy and a girl. So uh, Robert Kelly, who produced that record, actually was working with Mallory at the time and had Mallory jump in on the tune. And uh, we've been friends ever since. So it was really, really nice to catch up with Mallory. Uh, So sweet, so lovely. I mean, you, you want to stick around for this one. She's got a great story. She's dogging it out, man. She's in, in, in Nashville. Like she made that decision to go to Nashville and, and work in the country music scene. She's got a new single coming out. Uh, we chat all about that and, and everything that comes around with, with that, with the video and the live show and, and stuff like that. So make sure you do stick around for Mallory. I really, really enjoyed having that conversation. Uh, and Newfoundland news, COVID's still on the go. I mean, looks like the cases are really, really slim right now. I think the last few days have been uh, have been no cases. Um, so hoping to move to level three by hopefully next Friday. I mean, it doesn't do much for, for me right now, for the bars or for the restaurants or anything. Uh, happy St. Patrick's Day for those who are listening today. I mean, I'm recording on the 16th, but it is St. Patrick's Day when you're listening. Not going to be uh, uh, much of a St. Patrick's Day here in St. John's or on George Street for that matter, but... Uh, you know, just going to make the best of it and happy. We're all here happy and, and safe and healthy. Uh, so big, happy St. Patrick's day to you, no matter how you're celebrating. I mean, there's lots of live streams going on a uh, ton of people in Newfoundland going live virtually, you know, on, on St. Patrick's day today and, and, uh, and throughout the weekend. So you'll be able to get your fix of all your little fiddly diddlies. So make sure you, uh, you check out, you know, um, you know, all the live events that are happening virtually this weekend and, and throughout the week. Um, hopefully we can get to level three by then. I mean, really looking forward to kind of getting back out and, and, and seeing some people and it'll be nice to be able to try to shoot some of these interviews for these podcasts, uh, in person. I mean, you just get a completely different vibe when you're chatting with somebody, somebody face to face. Um, you know, other than that, I had a great live feed last Friday, picked up a sponsor from Jack Daniels, a big thanks to them and Sean from, from Jack's for, for helping me out on that. I mean, uh, real big help to, to make a few bucks and, and to be able to, to be able to support something like that. And, and it was very nice that they wanted to support me as well. So, uh, thanks to everybody who tuned in on them and sent along requests or sent along a tip. It's undoubtedly, you know, it's, it's, uh, such a help more than anybody would, would come to realize. I mean, you're shut out of work as a musician here in, in city, Going on, what, seven weeks now, I think. So, uh, yeah, big thanks to everybody who, who's definitely tuned into those. Um, not going to talk a whole lot about the Leafs this week. I mean, the Leafs are, they got this week off. They're off until Friday right now. Had a rough few games last week. I mean, faced a tough team with the Winnipeg Jets. They're Easily, you know, our, our, the number one, number two shot in the North Division is going to be the Leafs and the Jets. They got a big, strong team there. Great goaltending. Uh, the Leafs goaltending has been dismal at best. Freddie Anderson has been 
been shaky. I mean, going to look forward to getting Jack Campbell back and seeing what he's all about. Uh, tough loss again to the Ottawa Senators on Sunday. I mean, what can you say? Hopefully we just get a little reset now throughout this week and, and can come back Friday. Um, North Division has been fun. Like I mentioned last week, it'd be really nice to see some of these teams kind of get out and play some other teams, but no complaints. Happy to have some sports on. Um, other than that, there's not really a whole lot going on this week. St. Patrick's Day, I mean, going to be a different year this year. Like you say, I'd normally be in, in Mexico. I have been for the last eight or nine years. So definitely missing Puerto Vallarta this year. There's always a huge, huge party at Murphy's Irish Pub right on the Malacan downtown Puerto Vallarta. Uh, I love bringing that party and, and hosting that St. Patrick's Day party. Uh, at Murphy so really going to miss that so maybe for any any of the folks who who know me from uh from from Puerto Vallarta happy St. Patrick's Day to you and, and looking forward to getting getting back next year and, and having a great St. Patrick's Day party uh not going to keep you too long on this one I had a great interview with Mallory so really want to get to that and uh make sure you tune in and 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 check out that and make sure you listen to uh to Mallory's new new song and her new video wise woman um, she tells you where you can find that at the end of the interview. So stick around for a great interview with Mallory Johnson. And I'd like to welcome the lovely Mallory Johnson to the podcast. Thanks for coming on today, Mallory. How you doing today? Thanks, Dave, for having me. I this is a great way to start my day. So I appreciate you you doing this. This yeah, is fun. Right. Oh, no, thank you so much for coming on. You know, I've, it's a new little thing I've been doing. Uh, trying to do these weekly podcasts and just have real interesting people on. I had Mandy Lee Da on last week. It was um, uh, International Women's Day, so I really wanted to feature another uh, another female this week. And I mean, you're a great person to have on. Uh, for anybody who who may not know you, can you just talk a little bit about yourself and explain who you might be? Yeah, well, I'm Mallory Johnson. I, uh, I'm a country singer and singer songwriter uh, from Newfoundland, but I kind of split my time between between Newfoundland, Conception Bay South, St. John's area um, and Nashville. So I'm currently in Nashville right now, but uh, I, I split my time pretty evenly. So yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like it's yeah. funny because I, yeah, I see you a lot. You know, what I mean? obviously this year, last year has been a bit different, but mm-hmm. I mean, I still managed to see you a little bit. I mean, we've been pretty <laughs> lucky here in Newfoundland, especially the summer. I mean, we had pretty much free reigns of the place. So, I mean, it's, it's funny because you're away a lot, but I still manage. I see you just as much probably because we don't normally see each other that often anyway. So when I do, it just kind of seems normal. Yeah. And I mean, whenever I'm home, like a lot of my close friends are musicians as well. So I just spend a lot of my time on George street watching everybody play. So, uh, yeah, when I'm home, I see my musician friends just as much as, um, just as much as like my family and some of my close friends there too, that I went to school with. So it's, it's always a party. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Let's dig into it. So you're a great country singer. I mean, you've got a bunch of music out and I know you're working on some new stuff. We will dig into that as, as the podcast goes on, but I want to talk about some of the early stuff, like uh, kind of mm-hmm. getting started. So what, what were some of the things that got you started? I know your family's a big influence with you. And so what were some of the things that got you started uh, in music early on? Oh my gosh. Well, my, my family, first and foremost, like you said, I grew up surrounded by music. Uh, my grandmother was a great accordion player. My, my aunts and uncles play, play accordions and mandolins and guitars and, and fiddles and bagpipes. So I grew up in a kitchen party. That's basically how I got introduced to all the instruments. Um, and of course, my mom is a country singer as well. So I remember being like three years old in Cadre Valley at my aunt and uncle's house. And at the time, they had this festival called the Strawberry Jamboree. 
And it used to happen right outside of that window at my aunt and uncle's house because it was basically their backyard that everybody gathered in for this festival. And my mom had like the headlining set with my uncle and it was way past my bedtime. And I remember just as a kid, three, four, five years old, just looking out that window and watching my mom sing Code of Many Colors. And so, of course, I grew up on Dolly Parton and, and Loretta Lynn and, and, of course, being surrounded by a lot of musicians for family, uh, got a lot of the Irish traditional stuff as well. Uh, so, yeah, I started really early on. My parents were always really big supporters, um, you know, because musicians themselves. So um, they were always really, really big supporters of music and of me wanting to pursue that. Um, so, yeah, I started in voice lessons, piano lessons, dance lessons. Did a lot of musical theater. Um, some of my closest friends to this day are, are people I did theater shows with back when I was seven and eight years old. Uh, and then that kind of led me to um, teaching. I taught music for a little while too. Um, and I so I taught at Rock City, um, which was then Music City and then City Performance Academy with Killian Evans. So that's where I met Chad Murphy and, and Craig Follett and Andrew McCarthy and the guys who eventually became members of my band. Um, as a solo artist. Now, rewind a little bit when I was 11 is when I pursued traditional Irish music as well. So on the other side of that musical theater, I had, I was touring with my family band, the Cormiers. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the Cormiers. Like that must've yeah. been such an interesting experience as an 11 year old, as you say, I mean, you guys did a lot of touring, I, you know, I, I'm extensively like mm -hmm. that must've been just such an interesting experience as an 11 year old to do that, especially with your family. Yeah, honestly, I think I kind of took it for granted. I was a kid who loved Britney Spears and Shania Twain, and I was singing traditional Irish Newfoundland music. Um, I mean, I loved it. I loved being on stage. It was really cool to be in the recording studio as a kid and experience recording my own songs. That's really when I decided I wanted to become a songwriter was that experience. And um, yeah, but it was I did definitely take a little bit of it for granted, especially now not being able to tour because we toured across Canada. We we toured in the US, we toured Scotland and, you know, in a van with our gear in the back. And it was a lot of road tripping. But uh, I really appreciate that time now because, you know, that's all I want to do. And I'm really thankful that I got to experience that at an early age and, and kind of get a taste of the industry so young because um, I definitely think it's helped me out now. Yeah, I, I mean, that would mm. definitely, definitely help you out, help anybody out. But you, you, like you say, you kind of take it for granted. I mean, I think as a as an 11 year old or 10 year old, you kind of take everything for granted. And you probably don't even realize that this isn't really I'm not going to say not normal, but not the normal traditional 11 year old life. I mean, you're torn with your family band, you're playing some big shows and you're in a band. You know what I mean? That's just some like great way to really learn like you say the industry and, and the ins mm -hmm. and outs and the business and, and touring and stuff like that very very interesting I really wanted to ask you about that so mm -hmm. you know after that like you say you're doing some teaching and and I was doing a little bit of research on you you've been writing for a long time like I mean yeah. you're you've always been writing songs not just for yourself but I know you did a bunch of different stuff and 2018 you released your debut self-titled EP Mm -hmm. um, produced by Sammy Kershaw, was nominated for three Music and L Awards, uh, Country Artist of the Year, Rising Star of the Year, Female Artist of the Year, and you took down the 2019 ECMA for Country of the Year, Country Recording of the Year with that record, or with that EP, sorry. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that and the recording process and maybe who was involved with that? Yeah, of course. So that was a really fun story. That all kind of came about in a really interesting way. So 
Uh, gosh, that was in 2015 when I actually recorded that. So I was sitting on that music for a long time and was playing that music out for a while before we released it. Uh, but back in 2014, 2015, I did this contest and it was uh, in Newfoundland. Um, it was called The Next Country Star. And so that was a big jib production. So with Donnie and, and Tim and those guys. And uh, anyway, it was super fun. I was just scrolling through Facebook one day and and I had... I was at the point where I knew I wanted to pursue country music as a solo artist. So I'd played a few open mics and, um, you know, performed solo at a few different festivals and things like that. But um, this was kind of like, okay, like, why not? It's an open mic. Why not do it? Like, what's what what's the worst that could happen? They say no, <laughs> like, it's not a big deal. So this contest was happening all through Newfoundland. I think they had some um, local pubs, downtown St. John's, and then there was some in Central and then some in Cornerbrook that was hosting this. And so I, I went and you, you sang three songs in the first round. I sang like two originals and, and a cover and made it to the next round and got to the semifinals, made it to the next round. And then the finals, I think, were in the fall. And it was a big party. It was at the local pub uh, down Torbay Road. And oh, the it, actual the local. Yeah, yeah the okay. local. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was a big party. It was packed. Oh, gosh, who else was there in that? I think uh, Carolina East was a part of it. Um uh, Justin Martin was was a part of it. Uh, there were so many awesome local musicians that I knew pretty well. So, and the crowd was a lot of familiar faces. So it was just really really fun. And so I ended up taking the title of that. I ended up winning that contest. And then uh, one of the judges had this connection with Sammy Kershaw because he he was one of the I guess talent buyers that brought in acts to the stadium at the time, Mile One Stadium. And they had brought Sammy Kershaw in for a few shows in the past. And so they were Facebook buddies and, and kind of knew each other that way. And so you reached out to Sam and they said, you know, we've been doing this contest, this girl, Mallory, like she, she won. We really believe in her. Basically, do you have any advice? Do you, do you have any, would you like to produce something or can you send us in the right direction? Part of the prize packages to record a new single, um, potentially a trip to Nashville, that kind of thing. And Sammy was, oh, he was like, okay, let me just like, does she have any stuff on YouTube? Like, does she have any stuff I can check her out kind of thing? And so I sent a few of my YouTube covers um, over and gosh, I think within the week uh, we got a phone call. It was a conference call with Sammy and, and his management, the Holland group um, and myself and some of the guys from the contest. And he said, yeah, so I want myself and the Holland group to co-manage her. Um, I want her to come to Nashville and I want to produce an album. So when can she do it? <laughs> so I was like, this is insane. And this is Sammy Kershaw. And what was really cool uh, about this kind of like a full, there's a couple full circle moments. I'm going to fill you in on in this whole experience, but that was a full circle moment because I had opened for Sammy Kershaw at mile one stadium and at this huge festival. Um, I think it was in Truro. Was this before the contest? This is way before the contest. Oh, this was crazy. with the Cormiers. This right. is when I okay, was like yeah. 14 years old, 15 years old. Uh, I had opened for them with my family band, him when he was touring with Lori Morgan at the time. And so, yeah, I opened for him at these huge festivals, these huge shows, and then full circle. And he's like, no, I want her to come to Nashville. I want a producer. So that was really cool. Uh, so yeah, myself and my mom got on a plane and we went to Nashville. It's my first time. So I did all the, the touristy things, you know, I went to the hall of fame and the grand Ole Opry and, and, all, and went, walked down music row and 
that was a really, really cool experience, especially with my mom. My mom had been there before, so she took me to the few spots she had been there years and years ago. And that was really, really cool. And the night before I was supposed to go to the studio, we were starting with band tracks um, at Lonnie Wilson's studio in Franklin. And the night before my mom, my mom and I got tickets to the Grand Ole Opry. And it was very emotional for me because that's to me, that's the Grand Ole Opry and the Ryman Auditorium are the once that if I achieve that, I need to find a new dream. Like that's the <laughs> pinnacle. That's the top for me. Right. So when we were in that church pew in the Grand Ole Opry, um, I was just sitting there and it was emotional and just watching some of the artists go just walk into that circle on the stage. And Rascal Flatts is actually headlining that night. Um, and I got a phone call in the middle of Rascal Flatts set and it, my phone lit up, Sammy Kershaw. And I was still like, it pinches me every time, like his name would pop up on my phone. I'm like, the Sammy Kershaw's on my phone. This is crazy. Uh, so he called me and I had to step outside during the set. And he was like, what are you doing? I hear music. And I'm like, I'm at the Opry. And he said, well, go to bed as soon as the show is done, because we need your vocals to be good for tomorrow because we have a big day tomorrow. <laughs> so I was like, oh, gosh, no pressure. Um but that's another full circle moment. I ended up my first big festival as a country artist. I opened for Rascal Flats at the Eastbound Hoedown in, in Newfoundland and in Avondale. Yep. So right. that was like another full circle. Um, but sorry, rewind back to this recording experience. So the next morning I show up at Lonnie Wilson's and I mean, the, the musicians were just phenomenal. And we had Dave Pomeroy there, um, Lonnie. I mean, these, these guys have played on the biggest records in country music they played on george jones dolly parton like a lot of these these icons and these legends and um it was a very nerve-wracking experience at first when i walked in i mean they were just like who's this another young chick come to nashville trying to make make something of herself like right. here we go her songs you know who knows what her songs are going to be like and um so i spent that day doing scratch vocals and they did all the band tracks and there was a lot of pinch me moments and a lot of validating moments and I'll never forget one of the comments that um, Dave and Lonnie were both just standing there in front of me and they said, it's really nice to have a vocalist know what they're doing and be as good at what they do as what we do. Like what, like how we, what, I don't know how to word that. So, yeah. Yeah. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. I can't yeah. remember the exact words, but yeah, it was like, it's nice to have somebody who is good at what they do as we are, what we do. Mm -hmm. So that was just, and my mom was like crying all day. She was like so emotional and, uh, yeah, it was just amazing. <clears throat> I mean, that must have felt so good, like to just have these guys say that about you. I mean, one of your first big recording experiences, you're in Nashville, you're surrounded by these huge talent, and you know, they're speaking well of you. Yeah, it was very validating, very reassuring, very encouraging. Um, and that was just scratch vocals, that was just for the guys to lay down some of these basic tracks. And then, of course, the following two days, we drove to Muscle Shoals. And that's where I did my vocals. Um, and that was really cool. Uh, a lot of stories, a lot of stories out of that experience. We had a uh, um, peanut, is it Montgomery? I think peanut Montgomery, that's his nickname. Uh, one of George Jones, best friends. He lives in Muscle Shoals and was friends with the engineer and, and Sammy. And he popped over him and his wife to some of my recording sessions and were telling me firsthand stories of, of George. And like, it's just, it was just crazy. I was like, here I am this, this girl from, you know, St. John's Conception Bay, South Newfoundland. And now I'm like sitting in the room with these people hearing stories about, you know, the legends. And it was just, 
overall was a beautiful experience. And um, yeah, it just opened so many doors. Like I said, it led to the Eastbound Hoedown was my first big festival. It led to those Music and L nominations, ECMA win. Um, and just really, it was a point where I really believed in myself and what I was doing. And um, yeah, it just, it opened a lot of doors. So do you think that by winning that contest, it was kind of an entry to Nashville? Like, do you think you would have ended up there without that? I knew Nashville was the end game. I think I would have went either way, but that, that was my open door um, because of that connection. The Holland group is st- are still my managers to this day. Um, I wouldn't have nearly, nearly as many opportunities as I've had without the Holland group. Um, Billy, Mike, and Kat, and, and the whole whole gang, um, and yeah, that kind of comes down to that that one performance at an open mic at the local pub on Torbay Road. So I think that goes without saying for anybody who's listening at home and maybe has never been on the stage and is looking to try it out, do it. Hey, like get up and do it. Sing, I mean, what's the, the worst that could happen? Exactly. Like, yeah, we get no's all the time, but when the yeses happen, it's like yes, <laughs> they're so much better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about Nashville a little bit. I mean. <laughs> Um, obviously you split your time, you know, consistently between, between Newfoundland and Nashville. And I know you were in Toronto as well for a little while, you know, what Mm -hmm. kind of came full board to really make that move and and say, you're going to kind of go at it full time to, to really split your time. And, you know, obviously you got yourself an apartment, like it got pretty serious. It's not just like you're coming down there for a couple of weeks, get a hotel and do some songwriting. It's like, you're really involved in Nashville now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was just a choice that I made, um, just wanting to create more opportunities for myself. I mean, Toronto, I love Toronto. I would definitely go back to Toronto in a heartbeat. Uh, That was an amazing, I guess, stepping stone in a way for me to Nashville. I knew when I went to Toronto that Nashville was still the end goal. And I only just wanted to stay in in Toronto for about a year. Um, And while the whole time I was there, I was working on my work visa to be able to go to the U.S. Um, but, and that's not to say like Newfoundland has been absolutely wonderful and it's full of talent and amazing musicians, just as amazing as anywhere else in the world. Um, but I knew the place to be for country music, you kind of got to force yourself to be a small fish in a very big pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and in order to get those opportunities, I need to be there. Um, and that's one thing my management encouraged as well. Um, cause in Nashville, it's, you know, that's where the labels are. That's where the publishing houses are. That's, that's where all of these, well, that's where the Grand Ole Opry and the Ryman and, and all of these big industry gatekeepers are, are based. Um, and yeah, it, it's just a, like when you're performing in a venue in Nashville, it's not if the right person's going to walk in, it's when, mm-hmm. so it was just basically creating more opportunities to be heard and to be discovered. And, um, just to grow as, as an artist, any musician, um, you know, it's very easy to get comfortable. And I feel like moving to Toronto and then moving to Nashville, it forced me out of my comfort zone and it forced me to, to better myself. And I could either look at, you know, these musicians in these different cities as, encouraging and motivating or discouraging and being like, Oh no, 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 I'm too scared. I can't do this. So it's, it's equally intimidating and inspiring at the same time. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very creative town and, um, but yeah, it all just boiled down to wanting to create those, those opportunities for myself. And the best shot at that was to, 
to be here full time or mm-hmm. at least try to be here as, as much often as I could. Yeah, fair enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you did mention, you know, some of the talent in Newfoundland and, and obviously Toronto, Nashville and stuff. I know <laughs> you are big on co-rates like you do a lot of co-rating with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask you some stuff about the co-rating. I mean, I know you've done some stuff like uh, quote, quote the Raven. I mean, you're involved mm-hmm. in that process. Like, um, can you talk a little bit about the co-rating you do? I mean, and, and what kind of advantages that brings to you as a songwriter? I mean, and um, what you really get out of co-writing with people as opposed to writing by yourself. Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of co-writing. Um, I do think solo rights are important um, for therapeutic reasons and to be able to, to kind of be completely vulnerable and open with yourself. Um, but co-writing is interesting because you're getting multiple strengths coming together as one, because not everybody is awesome at lyrics and, and melodies and riffs and themes and hooks. Like there's very few people that are amazing at all of it. So it's really cool to get in a room with, for example, a producer or engineer who can build a track. And then somebody who's a really good lyricist or somebody who's really good with melodies, um, you're kind of getting these different strengths and these different perspectives on a certain song idea that really just escalate and really lift up lift up the song. Um, that's not to say you can't write an amazing song solo, but it's really fun to, to collaborate and again, get out of your comfort zone. There's so many times when I write a song and I'm like, Oh, I love these lyrics, but my melody sounds the same as everything else I do. Uh, but as soon as you bring that to the table with some other people, it's really cool to get input from, from multiple places. And at the end of the day, you're getting a better song. Um, something that might resonate with more people because you're getting multiple perspectives. So, I'm a huge fan of that, huge fan of collaboration. Um, and I think what was really cool about the whole pandemic and, and being home for so long, uh, it was really awesome to do that with a lot of friends and and local artists. So like you mentioned, Quote the Raven and the Fairgale guys and, and Chris Ryan and um, yourself, like we got to do some gigs. And um, yeah, it's just been wonderful to to collaborate. And another another side of that coin is, you know, if one person wins, everybody does. And it's so much fun to celebrate with people you care about. Yeah. Yeah, It's so much, so much fun to celebrate together and win more than one of you win. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of pros to co-writing for sure. Yeah. I was watching an interview recently. It was, um, Donovan Woods. Are you familiar Mm -hmm. with Donovan Woods? Yeah. Yeah. I love him. Yeah. I'm a big fan as well. And, and, uh, I mean, he's in, he spends a lot of time in Nashville as well. He's in Toronto. He's back and forth and, you know, incredible songwriter does a lot of co-writing. I mean, writes for a ton of people and, uh, like I, for one, I haven't really written with too many people. I find it very intimidating. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I I took out of what he said was that if you bring an idea to a room of people and, whether it be lyrics or melody or an idea and they kind of laugh at you or mock you, you're in the wrong room with the wrong people. It's 100%. Like, no idea should ever be shot down. It could be built mm-hmm. on. You know what I mean? It's not about, it could be the craziest ego. idea. It, yeah, exactly. People it's not got, about, people got to check the ego at the door. Like exactly, you, it, I don't exactly. care if you have five number one songs or you have, this is your first song you've ever written in your life. Um, everyone's at an equal playing field in a writing room. And the, when you get the ball rolling, it's just the dynamic of the room. And it, it doesn't matter if this person contributed one word or wrote most of the verses or wrote the whole melody. It's that song would not leave that room the way it is without every single person there. So um, egos need to be checked at the door. For yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it's it's definitely something that maybe we should write a song sometime. I'd like to do I'd love to. Yeah, I'd actually, it's to. funny. I, I kind of want to let everybody know. So 
obviously Mally recorded on a record that I did in 2015 with Robert Kelly on a song called Idaho. And the funny thing about that recording was that we had never met until we actually did the CD release. So I remember I was doing some work with Robert Kelly and I think you were doing a little bit of work with him as well. And I think Robert just kind of pitched this to you said, Hey, Mallory, can you try this song? And I remember coming in with Robert a couple of days later and he's like, yeah, Mallory Johnson was in. And I'm like, she's doing some work. And, you know, he was kind of showing me uh, some of the other tracks that you were working on. And he said, yeah, I just, I kind of threw this at her and see if she'd do this part. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, throw it on, and threw it on. I'm like, damn. <laughs> I love that. That yeah, was anyway. the same time I was doing backup vocals for my EP. Exactly. Cause, yes. Because exactly. I didn't. Yeah, that was so much fun. I remember Robert being like, since you're here, do you, do you what do you think of this? Can you and try Robert's this? so like, good at that. Every time I'm in the studio, he's like, hey, can you just like throw a little vocal on this song I'm working on? Or yeah. what do you think about this little part here? You know, he always likes having people pitch in on it and stuff is great. But yeah, I mean, it was really funny because I had heard it. And I said, damn, like, yeah, that's the one. Let's do it. And then I remember writing you and saying, listen, I'm putting off the CD release show and I'd love for you to come down and be a part of it. I tried to get everybody who was a part of the record to come down and and you did. And you've been doing it ever since. And we've also done a lot of uh, the Tibbs Eve show. We've always been you've always been a big part of my Tibbs Eve show. And I was heartbroken. I couldn't be there this year. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. That's the first time ever. I'm like, he's doing fairy tale of New York without me. <laughs> I think I scratched it this year. Actually. I don't know if I did it. I can't remember. I, I think I was just like, ah, you know what? I don't got Mallory this year. I'm just like, I'm not going to sing the girl part myself. I'm like it'll be a good year just to put it on a, on a little break, but hopefully next year, maybe we can do it again. Yeah. Um, so fast forward a little bit, uh, 2019. Okay. September, 2019, mm-hmm. two singles, digital 45, um, drunk mind, yeah. sober heart and hung over. Um, what was involved with the, the process behind those, those couple songs there. So, and, and were... if you could, sorry, I also yeah. need to talk a little bit about the video you shot at one of our favorite, favorite little local mm-hmm. hunts. I will. So those two songs were some of my favorites that I had been holding on to for a little while. Um, drunk mind, sober heart was an accidental song. Yes. Sorry. Wait, I don't want to cut you <laughs> off. I want you to finish. But I was reading up on you and I believe that you wrote this song on St. Patrick's Day. And for everybody at home, happy St. Patrick's Day, because this episode is coming out on yes. St. Patrick's Day. So I love that. That that song was actually, yeah, you're right. It was written on St. Patrick's Day um, with Tennille Arts and Kristen Bellows. And that was a day where we were dressed all in green. We were celebrating in true Newfoundland style. The girls have never been to Newfoundland. So I was like, coming to my place and I'm making a playlist and I'm going to make you listen to this whole thing. We're going to drink lots of margaritas. Um, we didn't do green beer cause we're not beer drinkers. Well, it just depends. I guess if I'm drinking too many sweet things, I'll have a beer, but, um, we stuck to the margaritas that day and we were barbecuing, just having a really great time. And Tennille was mixing. This was like 1230 in the morning and Tennille was just, her back was turned to us. She was mixing a drink and, one of us got a text message. I honestly don't remember who did. If I did, I would tell you. Um, I'm not afraid to embarrass. No, I shouldn't. No, but uh, I honestly don't remember who got the text message from an ex-boyfriend. And they said, uh, what are you doing? You up. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing, right? You up? Like, what are you doing? Um, like, miss you kind of thing. And Tennille's response was, uh, oh, yeah, drunk mind speaks a sober heart. Because who at 1230 on St. Patty's Day is sober? I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So and then immediately me and Kristen just kind of looked at each other and we're like, we got to get on Google because that line is fantastic. And if that song hasn't been written, we're doing it right now. So we did didn't like find anything. Um, so we sat down 
and wrote this song. And uh, I still have the work tape on my phone. Thank God I made a work tape because we had a lot of margaritas. <laughs> uh, Tanila had actually sang on the work tape. And I woke up the next day just immediately thinking about this song. And I played it and I practiced it because the guitar is pretty like intricate. Um, and I just played it and practiced and played it and practiced. And I was just so obsessed with this song for so long. And I was playing it out and was getting a good response. And then Hungover too was another one that that was a really easy write. It was Kristen as well, was another co-writer on that. And our friend Christy Huff, who's an artist from LA. And Christy was in town uh, one weekend. And the night before our writing session, we had scheduled a morning session with her. And the night before, we had all been out to a restaurant opening. Myself and Tanil and, and Kristen and a bunch of other girlfriends. And it was two for one margaritas that night. <laughs> And we ended up befriending the owner of the bar. Margaritas are a real theme of this digital 45. It was the main, the main inspiration behind this. But yeah, we befriended the owner of the bar, uh, the restaurant, and he just didn't let our drinks. It was just like kept filling them up, filling them up shots, just whatever. Great night. Terrible morning. Um, and that's when we had to write. And so me and Kristen were just because we're roommates. We were roommates at the time. And me and Kristen were like, this is the last friggin' thing that we want to do today is write a song. But we couldn't bail because it was still last minute. And so I remember Kristen was on the phone with her brother telling about the night before and before Christy showed up at, at our place and um, telling him about the night and how we were hungover and didn't want to write about it. And her brother was like, well, just write about that. He was like, then he joked, hungover and not hung up on you. And then Kristen was like, gotta go, gotta go. <laughs> okay, bye. So we sat down and this song was just, it was an easy write. We had it done in like two hours. So that's kind of how the songs came to be. And then fast forward to, I really, it was time for me to release some new music. Um, I knew I wanted to kind of go a little bit of a different direction sound wise than the EP. The EP is very like nineties kind of pop country. And that's, I like, I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that project that did so well for me. Um, but it's, I still feel like it wasn't really me. I feel like I was finally finding out my sound and what I liked. So this was an opportunity to kind of reintroduce myself. Um, unfortunately, I decided to choose drinking songs. I don't know if that was a good, <laughs> good introduction or not. But, uh, but yeah, I was only going to release one song. I was going to record one. But I just loved, I, so I compiled like a list of five or 10 songs and I sent them to like my family. I sent a few close friends, my management team. And I was like, okay, I want everybody to rate these songs or pick out your favorites because I need an outside perspective of what I should be releasing as a radio single or just in general. And I had a lot of people said hungover. A lot of people said drunk, mind, sober heart. Those were kind of the two top. And I was really conflicted because Drunk Mind, Sober Heart, I loved so much. It showcased my my vocals and um, my songwriting. And Hungover was very radio-friendly, my most radio-friendly one, I guess you could say. So I was just very conflicted because they're both very different. And then one of the guys on my management team said, well, why don't you do a 45? Why don't you release them both? Then it's like you have the two sides. Like one is really fun and there's your radio song. The other is the B-side and it's your emotional, stripped-down, vulnerable song. And I was like done the marketing genius because it's like the double shots they're both about kind it just of wrote alcohol. itself yeah exactly just wrote itself wrote itself and yeah those songs have done have done really well too um with music and l and and uh independent music awards and this they've just they've done so well and i'm really proud of them and 
the music video. You wanted me to talk about music video. So Drunk Fine Silver Heart was filmed for the most part at the Bull and Barrel, which was so much fun. I love Tino and it just, it was perfect for what we were going for. Um, again, familiar faces, Nick Girl's in there, Robert Kelly, uh, Keith Fowers in there. My dad makes a cameo in the beginning. Um, that one was really special. And we were kind of going for this vibey, like closing time, but beautiful, but kind of dive bar look like it was the, the bowl, bowl was <laughs> the bowl was perfect because we, we were kind of like we were inspired by Casey Musgraves and Willie Nelson's Are You Sure video, um, which is a similar idea. It's like a disco ball and, and the band in the background and she's sitting at the bar really lonely. And um, I was like, well, that's a perfect vibe for this song. So we kind of we were really inspired by that. So we did that at the bowl. Um which is amazing. Um, I love the way that turned out. And then Hungover, we filmed part of that at Loose Tie above Greensleeve. So I'm a huge fan of having local local um, people, venues um, in, in the work that I do. It's really important for me to, to be able to celebrate the people that I love and who've been such big supporters of me. So that's my opportunity to do that. Yeah, I feel you there. I'm, I'm right on the same boat as that. <laughs> one, one cool thing I noticed about... Um, Drunk by and Sober Heart is you've had a ton of people cover that song now. I mean, there's videos all the time of people popping up singing that song. Like that must be a real cool feeling. It's the coolest feeling. It is. It is so cool that people think it's cool enough to cover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it's been like guys covering it. I mean, I've had a few girls cover it, but to hear like Andrew Rogers, I mean, come on. <laughs> like I, when we did that song right around at um, the black sheep on George, Cause that was right after we did all did a writing trip together, myself and Andrew and um, Jordan and Kirsten of quote the Raven and Chris Ryan, we hopped in a car and went to the West coast to my family's place out there for like five days and wrote a bunch of songs, including I, quote the Raven's I, Christmas. I seen the, I seen the Instagram videos. It, it looked, uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. looked interesting. <laughs> we're make, we're going to make it an annual thing. So like, it's going to be a thing where we'll invite a bunch of writers yourself. You should definitely come next time we go. Yeah. I'd uh, love to. That'd be fun. Yeah, it was, we spent, a, we did a lot of partying, but thank God we got some work done. But um, so this writer's round was kind of celebrating that trip. And we decided to, we had a couple songs that we wrote all together that we performed at that show and then all of our own stuff. But then we were like, why don't for one of the rounds, we cover each other's songs. And we knew who was covering what, but we hadn't heard each other cover it. Um, so I was covering Chris Ryan. Um, Chris covered Quote the Raven, Quote the Raven covered Fairgale, and then Andrew covered me. And I just, it was the first time I heard Andrew saying Drunk Mind Sober Heart. And I just like, he was sitting next to me. And if you go back, I think Andrew actually posted the video on YouTube, the performance. And I'm just like, you could just see my jaw like hit the floor. And then I'm like, oh my God, my reaction is just it's so genuine. And I just, I loved it so much. I mean, to have your song even just covered by anybody is a, it's a great feat. Don't get me wrong. It's, mm -hmm. but to have somebody like Andrew, who's just such an absolute power horse vocally, like I know this guy is just insane. His vocals are like, uh, he's easily top three on, in, on the Island in my eyes. Like, oh I my mean, gosh. His, it's you ridiculous. Know, his vocals are his his reach and his, it's mm -hmm. incredible. So, I mean, that was, yeah, that was really neat. I loved watching that as well. Um, yeah. Something you mentioned there just a couple minutes back was was music and L and 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 ECMAs. I mean, we've we've done a lot of music and L events together and, and stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about the um, the value behind, say, music and L and, and ECMAs? 
those music and L and ECMA is basically an amazing tool, an amazing opportunity for artists um, to get the introductions that they need. Um, not only are they really fun and it's fun to celebrate all the music of, of the province and, and the East coast. Uh, and then of course, when you go to the CCMAs and Juno's, it's all the same thing, just more parties and celebrations. Um, but I've just always found it so valuable to, to be involved. Um, they've always been really big supporters. I mean, not only financially, they do help um, a lot of artists financially, but it's really just this opportunity to showcase yourself to all these industry people that could potentially become teammates um, and then further, you know, further your career. And my favorite part of those things are always, always the after parties that are kind no. of the unsanctioned. <laughs> They're kind of showcases in themselves. I they mean, are, I remember yeah. the year in Twillingate. Were you, you were at the one in Twillingate, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With that house that was rented in the middle <laughs> of it all. Is that what you want to say? Oh my the, God. That, that blue was house, a, the blue house or whatever, right? The blue house, yeah. Brian Ramjetton's yeah, Airbnb, yeah. Caroline East and Chris Ryan, some of the Fairgale guys. Um, Actually, I had a video come up recently on, it was like my memories on my Instagram yeah. or something. And it was like, 3 30 in the morning at that house i'm outside on the back deck but i'm like i'm looking in i take a video and it's like peter green and aaron collis and mark manning and they're just picking little parts off this old turkey that was there anyways super hilarious but i have so many videos of like you know the jam room of that 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 house of that weekend i mean everybody just sat around for three days and just played music in that room it was amazing it was amazing and honestly like i think that's when i first really became better friends with um with like Peter Green and Stephen Green and Andrew Rogers and Gary and and Brad and all the all those guys um it was just really amazing to be in that room with all of these different genres these different voices uh that everybody kind of knew everybody knew each other but it was just it was so beautiful to see everyone kind of cover each other's songs or jam just jam and it was I remember like singing Tupelo and all of a sudden Fairgale is knows all the harmonies and then all the chords. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't know you guys knew this. Actually that eventually led because Janet had to go back to St. John's for the award show. Cause she was supposed to sing a high part and she had to leave like the day before the award show. And I was like, shit, like, what am I going to do? This song is three part harmony or it's going to sound like shit. Um, so I looked at Andrew. I was like, <laughs> can you play the award show tomorrow? <laughs> He was like, sure, I already know it. So, uh, so that was really cool. But I'm um, like Andrew Rogers taking Janet Cull's vocal part. <laughs> no, back to his voice being ridiculous. But, uh, but yeah, I what was really cool about that whole experience? Um, not only was it fun and it was a party, but we had a lot of the industry people from the export buyer showcases, like talking to us. Like I remember Chris Ryan saying they were asking him, like, "Where's this showcase that everybody's talking about at this Blue House?" And Chris was like that's our Airbnb. It's a party, but pop by. So like all the export buyers were coming. And like, I think a lot of people made a lot of great connections and ended up solidifying some work because of this jam that was just relaxed. Like everyone was basically just showing off in the best way. And yeah, it was just so special. It's just, it's really cool. Again, the collaboration is, is huge at those events. So, um, yeah. Anyone who's not a member should be a member. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I, I mean, you mentioned like, you know, kind of really getting to know a lot of people through these events and, you know, you know, yeah. of people and you know, of their songs a little bit, but I think it goes back to that old thing. Like 
you know, when you start a new job, for example, and you mm-hmm. might work there for a couple of weeks, you don't really know anybody until you go out and hit the pub for a night, You hit the pub for a night. And then it's like, all right, now we're best friends. It's like that kind yeah. of thing happens as well. Like, you know, especially with you say the blue house, you know, it was kind of, you know, everybody, everyone's kind of sitting around, everyone's kind of trying to under best behavior, but then it's like one o'clock in the morning and everyone's singing a band song, you know, like, and everyone's on like on harmonies and there's different instruments and all kinds of fun stuff. And you really get to know people like throughout the, with the weekend and that kind of sense. It's, it's so true. Like I remember being at the CCMAs. No, it wasn't CCMAs. It was the ECMAs. And I, a friend of mine, um, actually it was Andrew Gordon who was, he was at the ECMAs as well. Cause it was when they were in Halifax and he pretended to be my manager at some of the after parties. And uh, he went and introduced me uh, to this guy who is um, a festival buyer for a big country music festival. And so then we started talking and chatting and I actually didn't end up scheduling a one-on-one pitch meeting with him, um, which I wish I could have, but I just didn't. So this is my opportunity to talk to the guy. And so then I invited him to my showcase and he showed up at the showcase and I will always like as advice or just what he said was so valuable to me. He said, this experience and meeting you like this and coming to the showcase was way more valuable and way more productive um, than any one-on-one pitch, eight-minute pitch meeting um, that's scheduled in that setting. Because everyone's so stressed out at those pitch meetings. Um, you kind of have to like, well, you pitch yourself and then then the venue or the buyer or whatever will pitch themselves to you. And it's kind of like a speed dating first date, <laughs> which is which is ridiculous. It's so stressful. So you don't really get to know anybody that yeah, you're way you're not really yourself especially it's, it's high stress environment you mean you're trying to put yourself out there as best as you can while also trying to maintain being yourself you know exactly so that's why these showcases and these these after parties i guess you could say if you don't make a complete fool of yourself and drink <laughs> too much um that is where those connections are are made um and i can't count how many times like i've made better connections with with people at those after parties and i haven't any um, like scheduled round table or, or pitch meeting or that kind of thing. And, and don't get me wrong. Those are important. It's good to get your face and your name out there and, and your business cards and your contact info to these people. But um, people just really want to support people they like. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you're not going to learn to like somebody in eight minutes. It's yeah. <laughs> kind of a, yeah, you just kind of get to know somebody at, at the shows or the parties or that kind of thing. I wanted to ask you a few things about, uh, about home, about Newfoundland. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, generally about music, but just about Newfoundland in general. Yeah. Um, what are some of your favorite places to hang out in Newfoundland, you know, anywhere, regardless if it's a beach or a pub or um, what are some of the things you miss about home and who are some of your favorite acts in Newfoundland? Oh, that's, a, that's a weighted question. It can be a weighted answer because there's so many. Um, well, if we're talking about George Street, uh, I mean, there's so many amazing places on George Street that I love to go, but the Bull and green sleeves are definitely too top for me. I, I always kind of end up there. Um, you and everybody I, else in the city, like everybody else in the city. I mean, the atmosphere and it's kind of like, well, I mean, you're getting live just, music. You're at green sleeves. There's music starting there's seven nights a week. I think green sleeves has music 364 days a year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe 363. I don't know if they have music on. Well, I, I guess they're not open on boxing day. So let's say 363 days a year. There's live music there starting at six until close. So, I mean, you're always going in and find somebody good playing some tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. I, uh, yeah, it's really cool. It just feels really good when I come home and I get to get to go to green sleeves and sit side stage 
with everybody and just fangirl over everyone. Backstage green sleeves. <laughs> the <yeah>. Backstage. <laughs> um, yeah, that's always fun. I mean, I love like like Port Rexton. We spent some time in Port Rexton um, a bit in Bonavista area this past summer. We did a lot of staycations because of the pandemic, which was awesome. So I got to visit a lot of beautiful places around Newfoundland. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's really difficult to narrow down one place. Uh, but in terms of acts, again, <laughs> so I can't, I can't narrow that down. And I also don't want to exclude anybody because no, no exclusions, you know, no exclusions. I mean, no, like, yeah, I mean, like yourself, I mean, it's always, it's always fun to, <laughs> don't to talk collaborate. About me. Not about me. Let's talk about other people. <laughs> no, but you're amazing, Dave. Love your voice, love your energy, love your stuff. And, um, you do a great live show, which is well, important. Thank you very much. Um, so yeah, you're definitely up there. Uh, and some of the people I've talked about tonight, I mean, quote the Raven, Chris Ryan, uh, Fairgale, um, Carolina East. I've yeah, got to absolutely. collaborate a lot with her and she's a powerhouse vocalist killing it right now. And incredible. Uh, yeah, she's incredible. And she has actually a big live stream show coming up soon. Yeah, I've seen that. yeah. yeah that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so many amazing, amazing local artists. I don't really want to like I said, exclude anybody because I don't want to be an arsehole like that because I love I love so many of them. <laughs> All right. Fair so. enough. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Um, I want to ask you about your new song, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you one thing beforehand because a lot of it kind of comes back to the new the new song and, and stuff like that. But I want to talk about the uh, the music with Malbec series kind of thing yeah. you've done over the years. I mean, um, the videos are shot by your brother, I believe, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And, and you, you feature, you know, kind of different artists every time. Can you talk a little bit about what the idea was behind that, the inspiration behind putting that, you know, kind of video and, and series together? Yeah, that was a really fun project that I do want to continue. I had every intention on doing a lot more, but of course, with splitting time between Nashville and, and Newfoundland, it was it was difficult. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, so you couldn't really be in the same room sharing microphones with people at some point. So, but that actually started as a New Year's resolution. Um, I was like, I'm going to do more video content this year. Uh, I want to do more collaboration. Um, you know, my brother is so amazing at what he does. I'm going to guilt trip him to make him do these things for, for me. Um, but yeah, no, I wanted. And he is amazing, I, by the way. Uh, your is. brother Cecil, he's absolutely incredible. I know he does a bunch of your videos and he, <clears throat> he's done one with uh, with Rum Ragged at the, one of the live. Like it's not a live song, but mm -hmm. a lot of the live footage and stuff. And I mean, it's incredible. He's, he's really, really good at what he does. He's amazing. And he's, he's also self-taught. He hasn't uh, went to school for, for video or editing or anything like that. Uh, he started doing skateboard videos in high school. That was, that was his start with video. And he's done all of my videos, all my, my music videos, those music with Malbec, uh, which was super fun. Um, the Malbec ones in particular, I really, well, for one, I really wanted the collaboration. I thought it was really cool to, to celebrate my friends. And um, I'm kind of a wino, so I thought the Malbec was a good pun. It is. Yeah, um, it's great. You know it. <laughs> yeah. So, and I wanted them to be very obviously live and one take. Because um, sometimes I get annoyed when I watch these live videos and you can very clearly tell it's auto-tuned and stuff like that. Well, they're all edited me. and cut. and All edited, but it, there's something special about... Blemishes. kind of the one take some of the imperfections um the one take audio video so you, so it was very obviously live and of course everybody in the videos are, are amazing they don't need to be tuned or or comped or anything like that anyway but 
uh, yeah, that was a really fun project that I really want to continue for one, sure. One really special one is the one with your mom. Can you talk about <laughs> that one? I mean, you, you spoke about the code of many colors a little bit earlier in the interview, but I mean, that's a re- that j- every year you post that, like I'm in tears almost watching that. It's so beautiful to see you do that with your mom. I mean, it's really, really nice. Thank you. Yeah. That's like I said in the, in the beginning of, of this, that I was very, very young when I first started listening to my mom sing that song. That was kind of a staple in her repertoire, a lot of Dolly Parton, because her voice is very similar tone and, and timbre to Dolly's as well. Um, so I grew up on Dolly Parton and that song is just so special to me. Um, I've, I've been singing that song with my mom forever. Every, every show, every live show that my mom is in the audience, I usually bring her up on stage to sing it. A lot of people request it. Um, and my mom usually steals the show, but (laughs) it's fine. (laughs) It's fine, but no, it's, does your mom embrace that moment? Does she kind of like, does she rail in that? Like she loved doing that or is it kind of a, she'll do it for you or does she, she really like being a part of that as well? No, she loves it. And she's always saying that she wants to go back out and tour. So I keep being like, mom, just do it. Just do it. You're amazing. You have so many fans that you would sell out. Like, yeah, she's, she's so amazing. And I don't think her touring days are over yet. No. Okay, great. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Um, You just put out a new song. There's a new Mm -hmm. video. I mean, incredible message behind this song. Uh, The video I watched it a few days ago when you posted it up and I actually just watched it recently again, just about an hour before we interviewed. I just wanted to get a little recap on it, but it's, it's really beautiful. I mean, the song itself is incredible. The message behind it is very powerful. Um, but the video is, is also very, very amazing, inspiring. Um, can you talk about the song about the writing process of the song mm-hmm. and, um, but the idea that you came up with about the video and, and, and the people involved in the video, which is, I'm very curious about. Yeah, this, this project, I don't even want to call it just a song because it's become this whole campaign and this whole project. Uh, this song, actually, we wrote this myself and Julie Carly Kennedy, who are also on the track as twin Kennedy. Uh, we wrote this song in 2018 and, um, and it was an evening writing session uh, and we were all really close friends. So when I was going to their place for the session, I was like, I have a bottle of wine with me. Like, I don't know if this is really going to happen. It might just be a girl's night. Uh, but anyway, so I get to their place and we're out on the back patio and Carly came out with her guitar and she said, I have this title, Wise Woman. Um, and immediately I was like, Whoa, that, that hook, like, where is she going to go with this? This is interesting. Uh, and she sang the first verse of this song that she wanted to write with myself and Julie. And I don't think we changed much about the first verse. I think what you hear is pretty close, pretty close to what she had. Um, and she only sang this verse and I got emotional and Julie got emotional and we just kind of spent the night talking about the challenges and the lessons and the insecurities and, Um, you know, the triumphs and successes, all these things of being a woman in, for me, the country music, very male dominated industry, because country music is very male dominated. I think the music industry, when you're looking at engineers and producers and that kind of thing, it's also very male dominated. But with country music, I mean, we're we're having a lot of hard times trying to get on the radio, um, you know, just represented as much as the guys. So, 
yeah, we were just talking about those things and we were, we wanted to be very careful in how we delivered this message. We want, cause it was so important to us. Uh, we wanted to do it the right way. Um, we didn't want to bash guys because there's been a lot of amazing guys like yourself who, who support women's voices and, and do find our voices just as valuable as anybody else's voice. Um, so yeah, we wanted to be careful in how we wrote this song. Uh, and it's just kind of become an empowerment anthem for us and and what appears to be for a lot of women, especially since the music video, which uh, which has been my favorite part of this. It's this incredible, Mallory. It's really, really Thank nice. You. I got to say, I mean, it, I'll let you explain it. But I mean, I, I was blown away by it the first time I seen it. And actually, the second time I watched it, I it hit me even more because I was, I'd mm -hmm. seen it already and I kind of got to dig into it a bit more. But yeah, just talk about the, the video and, and maybe who's in it and. Yeah, this uh, this video, of course, my brother uh, directed, uh, produced it. Um, he edited it all as well, and he shot uh, some of, some of the women in Newfoundland. But this video was filmed in Newfoundland, in BC, and Nashville. So we compiled first of all myself and and Cecil and um, Julian Carly kind of compiled a list of women that we wanted represented, whether that's occupation or, you know, like our moms and there, our sisters, our nieces, some of our closest friends, colleagues, mentors. And we really wanted to showcase and feature women in very powerful leadership roles as well. So if you watch the video, you're going to see police officers, you're going to see military, uh, you're going to see nurses. Um, and then we have like comedians and uh, hairstylists. And it's just, it was such a passion project for us more than anything. Um, and this video was not about myself and Julie and Carly. We wanted the video to be about the women. Um, and I think we really pulled that off. And I think Cecil did an amazing job piecing it all together. And uh, it was definitely a bigger project than we anticipated. We were very ambitious in this project, especially during a pandemic. Like I know that the day after Cecil was done filming, like the at the dance studio, and, and well, he did all of his shots in Newfoundland. The day after he did his, you guys went into your lockdown, your new mm -hmm. lockdown. Um, so everything like gyms and, and studios and everything had closed. So he wouldn't have been able to do those things wow. if he had done it a day later. So yeah, it was a really big project, but I'm really proud. And yeah, I'm really proud of the whole team. We had Cecil, of course, there in Newfoundland and Troy Marr. And Troy has been a part of every one of my music videos as well. Um, and then Dave Wallace from Riptide Studios in BC. And then we had Jake Curtis Miller and Tim Sutherland here in Nashville. Oh, nice. Yeah, no, it's it's really incredible. I got to say for anybody who uh, is listening to this podcast right now, make sure you do uh, look up Mallory and look up the Wise Woman video because it's uh, it's beautiful. Do you, do you feel like, um, I want to word this properly here. Um, you feel any weight? on your shoulders to be the person, not the person, but to be behind the idea of, you know, really, like you say, in a male dominated industry and, and especially in country music, like, do you feel any weight on your shoulders? Uh, once you, once you put that out to kind of be the voice of, of something like that. Did that make yeah, sense? In a do you way, understand what yeah, I'm saying? Totally, yeah. totally. In a way. Um, it's also nice. You know, country music is not just about heartbreak and drinking songs. Um, and I, a lot of my inspirations or, or artists that I look up to are very powerful, um, female artists, for example, Dolly Parton, um, Casey Musgraves, Brandy Clark, Loretta Lynn, you know, all of these artists who aren't afraid to make people uncomfortable 
with honesty. And um, I think it's, yeah, this is a powerful subject matter, but I, I kind of really enjoy the fact that I'm, well, I'm trying to add to the conversation or start the conversation rather than, you know, look the other way. Um, Cause I think change comes with being pushed outside the comfort zone and change happens with conversation. So uh, I do think things are starting to shift in the, in the right direction. Um, we saw at the Junos this year, the majority of the country albums apart from Dallas Smith were all female country albums nominated. So it's been, it's been beautiful to kind of see that shift sort of happening. Um, I think there's a long way to go, but you know, as, as artists, I mean, I think it's important for us to use our voices and our music to, to talk about things that, that matter. Um, and yeah, I think I was really excited about this. I mean, like you said, there is a bit of pressure and a bit of weight, but I think it's a good pressure because I think it, it also pressures other people to really take a second and be like, whoa, okay. And then see the response from the song and that kind of thing. Like, okay, this, there really does need to be a change and this conversation does need to happen. So um, yeah, I definitely think it's a good conversation to be having. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you, you, you put out the song and there's the video. I know there's a show coming out as well. A live show, uh, wise yeah. woman, the show. Can you talk about that a little bit and who's involved with the, with the show and, and what you're planning on doing with that? Yeah. So I'm so, so excited about that show. That's, oh my gosh, another huge project that I can't believe I pulled off. <laughs> like I was like, I don't think I would ever, like, I never thought I would ever produce something of this magnitude, but uh, yeah, so myself and Twin Kennedy, we kind of pitched this show idea to the uh, Canadian consulate to the Southeast United States because uh, they're big supporters of, of women in Nashville. And they loved it. And they're like, yep, we want to be on board. So it's presented by them. And we have the Canadian ambassador who's making opening remarks for this virtual show. We have Juno winners on there on the show. We have ACM winners, CCMA winners. Um Oh gosh. Okay. So we have Carolyn Don Johnson, Molly Brown, Neil Arts, uh, Crystal Shawanda, Victoria Banks, and Madeline Merlot. Um, and so these are women who, some of them are my peers. Some of them are, we look up to and aspire to be. They're just, they're just so, so amazing. And yeah, we filmed it all here in Nashville at uh, the iconic analog at Hutton hotel, which is this beautiful, beautiful venue, this beautiful chandelier and like stage with velvet curtains. Um, the same venue that you'll see parts of the music video for wise woman. And it's the same venue myself and the twins had our performance shots filmed in. So yeah, so that's going to be March 26th at 7 PM Eastern time. Nice. So that's, that'll that's be, exciting. So is that a, is that a virtual thing or is it, it is live? virtual? Okay, yeah, it, right. it is virtual. It's, it's pre-recorded, but it will be, it's like a live show. Yep. Um, so you buy so tickets that, to that or how, how does that work? Or is it just, it's free for the public. Oh, nice. Incredible. Um, yep. So it's free for, for the public. Uh, it will be a YouTube and Facebook thing. Um, it'll be on twin Kennedy's YouTube Facebook. It'll probably be cross posted. So you'd be able to find it on twin Kennedy or my page. Um, and we do have like a free VIP sign up thing that's on all our social media. Um, and that's just more access to behind the scenes content and, and show info and that kind of thing. Cool. Cool. Yeah, no, that's uh, looking forward to checking that out myself. That sounds like a really neat show. Um, a couple of hilarious things I wanted to ask you, Mallory. I mean, <laughs> I would, one of the funny things about doing these podcasts that I didn't realize, like, I didn't really know how I was going to go about these. I mean, I just kind of came up with the idea and I'm just, Lockdown started here and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to jump into it. I'm just going to start it. I'm just going to do it. I started off with, with Peter and I had Mozzie on and these guys I know really well. Like I, you know what I mean? I can, 
Mm-hmm. I, I know them. They're really close friends of mine. But when I started digging into other people, it's so funny how much you learn about people. One hilarious fact I found about you today oh, no. is that you're the youngest person to perform an anthem at the Air Canada Center. I was. I don't know if I still am. You don't at know if you t- hold the title anymore. I don't know <laughs> if I hold the title, but at the time I was. I was eight years old. And it's so funny because I have this picture. It's was that like, like for a game or something? It was for the Leafs versus the Bruins in Toronto at the Air Canada Center. Nice. <laughs> and it was Newfoundland night. So that's why I was there. And they, so they brought Buddy the Puffin and a bunch of Newfoundland oh, guys yeah. up. And, well, I guess the uh, St. John's Maple Leafs were probably still in town at that point, I guess. So that probably yes. makes sense. Yeah. 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 So I wore my St. John's Maple Leafs jersey Thick. at the game <laughs> and went down. They took us down to the dressing room. I had all the Toronto players sign the jersey. And I mean, I'm like an eight year old kid and I'm like, I don't know what's cool. And what's not like I didn't fangirl over the players. Um, but it, and what was really funny about that is that actually that game was the first time I signed my autograph on anything before. And somebody I had signed like a program or whatever they handed out at the games. And also that evening, my dad was so excited because my dad's such a big hockey fan and the Leafs are his team. So we were all invited to go to like this kind of after party where a lot of the players are going to be. And of course it was a bar, but they still let me in there. Cause like I had, I had sang and I was with adults or whatever. And I, <laughs> my dad was having a conversation. I can't remember who it was with. It was one of the players. And I went up to the player and I was like, excuse me. I was like, can we play limbo? Like I wanted to take the pool stick <laughs> and I made all the hockey players play limbo with me. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, I guess we can't say no oh, to did, this eight year old girl who just sang. The, they did say no. No, oh, they didn't say no. Yeah, I had I mean. the like, Toronto like, Maple Leafs playing limbo with me with a pool stick. <laughs> that's super funny. Another yeah. funny thing I found out about you is that you've done some acting, right? Yes. You filmed. Bit. You were in a film, Into the Wilderness, I believe, was the name of this this film. And yeah, it's... a real funny thing I read about you was, um, I wish I wrote down the quote that you had said that, and, and this article I was reading about you. But you said basically, you know what's the worst that could happen? You know, it could be, that's my motto. Apparently. Yeah. I know. No, but it's like, <laughs> yes. you know, you could win. I could get this landless mm-hmm. role and I could meet some cool people or I don't get it. And I still meet some cool people and yada, yada. But how did that come about? And, and what was involved in that? Yeah. So one of my managers, Kat, she's involved, very involved in the film uh, industry. She's part of the, the women in film here in Nashville. And so she just had these connections with who was going to be in town, who was doing auditions for what, and so she texted me. She said, hey, like, do you want to do you want to audition for a movie this week? I was like, sure. Why not? <laughs> like, I only have musical theater background. I'm probably going to be shit, <laughs> but I'll try it. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, so, yeah, she was like, OK, bring your guitar. It's not it's not a singing role, but I want you to sing your Karma's a bitch song for them. Um, it's my song called Just Like You. It's just this quirky, funny, funny song. Um, I was like, OK, I don't know how that's going to relate to any audition, but sure. Um, so I brought my guitar went to the audition, had to do a cold read. So I wasn't allowed to prepare for any of the script beforehand. Um, I did a cold read for like the lead female role. Um, I was terrible because you need to have a Southern accent. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to butcher it if I try to put on a Southern accent. Um, But I read it anyway. And so they were like, no, they're really sweet about it and stuff. And um then Kat was like, well, why don't you, and just had a great chat with them or whatever. And Kat was like, why don't you sing your song? I was like, okay. And they were like, sure. Yeah. We see your guitar. Like, let's have a good time. It was just the director and one of the producers or whatever. It wasn't a big, big crew. So I was like, okay. So I sang the song. They had a laugh and they were like, 
That's awesome. Can you, do you know any war songs? Because this, this movie Into the Wilderness, which is now called, I think it's Marbles and Bullets. I think they changed the name. Uh, so they're like, do you know any war songs? And I was like, actually, as a matter of fact, I recorded one with my family band when I was like 15, 16 years old. Uh, and I actually hadn't played it in years, but I was like, I might be able to fake my way through the chords and sing a little bit for you. And they're like, sure. So I sang this song called Missing in Action that I recorded with the Cormiers and I could see the gears turning in their heads. Like they're really like paying attention to it. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Anyway, shook hands, like nice to meet you, went on our way. And I, I even remember saying to Kat, my manager, and I was like, I mean, I don't think I'm going to get the part, but they were nice. Like maybe made some new friends out of it. Yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, like totally. Then they apparently they called her and they said, yeah, we, we want to write a part for her into the movie and we want her to write music for the film. Uh, can she come to Knoxville and, and for a couple of days and do some shooting? So I did. Um, that was really cool. My first time on a movie set. I mean, it wasn't like a Hollywood movie set with a bunch of trailers and that kind of thing, but it was still cool. It was a, it was a cool experience. And uh, I don't know what the release date for that will be yet. So I don't really have any more information, but yeah. So you played a role in it after you played a role where you pl you're playing or, or did you? <laughs> it, I don't, I don't remember if I had like a character name. It was kind of like an extra. So what sure, I, sure. I was in like one scene where I had to sing a lullaby to a child who was like dying. Basically it was really sad. Um, and then dark. this other, very, very dark, but there was kind of like a little bit of satire in this movie too. It had a little bit of dark comedy and, um, but this scene was really sad. Um, and then I had to sing another, in another scene, I was singing a lullaby, not a lullaby, um, this other song I'd written with actually Julie and Carly, the same girls who I wrote wise woman with. It was a song I wrote with them in this like graveyard scene where the women were reading letters to their husbands off at war. I don't think that scene made it in though. <laughs> so <laughs> That got left on the cutting room floor, but uh, I know I'm in there a little bit, so we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> well, I've taken up a lot of your time. I do want to ask you one more question. You just mentioned writing, yeah. you know, you know, with the, with the twins and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. You got a new album. Is there a new album in the works? I, I've seen something on your social media there uh, a few weeks ago. I know you're mm -hmm. in the studio in Nashville. You got some new music coming out. Is it an album or a single? What's going on? What's what's going on musically? I do. I have a brand new album. Uh, I'm so, so excited about it. It was originally going to be a six song EP, but then I wrote a new song with with the twins. There are some of my favorite songs I've written with Julie and Carly, as you're seeing this pattern. Um I wrote a new song with them and that completely changed the whole project. Uh, so it's become a full length and I've written a few songs since um, one song I actually wrote with Kelly Loader. So, uh, so that's going to be on there. Uh, yeah. I'm so excited. Uh, Kent Wells is producing it. He's Dolly Parton's producer. Um, he's her band leader plays, plays guitar in her band and he's been so wonderful. He's given me a lot of control. We've collaborated a lot on this and um yeah, it's been it's been a really cool partnership for sure. And yeah, I can't I can't wait. So is there any plans on release for that or that's way down the road? Not even thinking about that yet. There's no release date. I mean, in a perfect world, I would love it to be September. Mm -hmm. um, but that's again, the album's not I don't have mixes back yet. So um, and I know like we, we you know, you want to shop it to a few publishing or labels or it takes some meetings and that kind of thing. So anything could change the timeline, as we all know, especially with this pandemic. Yeah. timelines change <laughs> so uh yeah in a perfect world i would love it to be september but how, i can't how, really 
how has COVID been for you? I mean, uh, it's been difficult. I mean, it's been different. You were home. I know you were home last year or, you know, you were home for a better part of the summer. And I think you left just before Christmas. I don't think you were, well, you weren't here for Christmas because I, you would have been probably at Tibbs Eve with me, but I would have definitely been there. Yeah. Yeah. So like, how has it affected you? I mean, obviously you're not touring, you're not playing as much, Mm but one, one thing I'd like to ask everybody is, have you found any positive light in this? I, I mean, I started a podcast. I taught myself yeah. how to really record demos at home. I really got in- involved with technology that I had no idea how to do before. Was, was there anything yeah. you've taken like positive light out of with COVID? Of course. Uh, like, well, like everybody else, especially us artists, like I, well, March 3rd was when the tornado hit Nashville really bad. Right. And I was like, okay, this is as bad as 2020 is going to get. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and there was a little bit of talk about COVID because a couple of my gigs here, I had a gig actually right after the tornado in Franklin and we had to sanitize before we went in, but it was still a room full of people. Like nobody really knew what was going on, but it, it was going on. Um, and I, I had a flight back to Newfoundland March 11th and, you know, I had all my tour stuff in my suitcase and my guitar and everything. I didn't like, I obviously didn't have any summer clothes per se, because I thought I was going home to immediately go on tour with the rec laws on the East coast. And then I was doing a radio tour to BC and back. Um, and then I was just going back to Nashville. Uh, but I got home March 11th and March 12th, I started getting phone calls from my radio tracker about things being canceled. The rec laws was being postponed. The Junos announced that they were canceled or postponed. All the sports teams were like, we're shutting down. Basically a day after I got back, the whole world shut down. So I was like, okay, like there goes all my gigs and all the the money I invested into this radio tour. And um, so that shit kind of hit the fan. But that being said, uh, you know, like back to the positives, I got to spend a lot of time at home. I have a really young nephew with another one on the way now, actually. And I got to spend a lot of time with my family. I got to collaborate with a lot of local artists that I wouldn't have had time to do otherwise. Um, got to explore a lot of Newfoundland that I wouldn't have done otherwise. So it's really forced me to adapt. It's forced me to be creative in other ways, especially with online content. Um, luckily with Nashville, like I'm, I'm allowed to go into a recording studio. So I've still been able to work. I've still been able to write whether that's zoom or in person. So yeah, I mean, touring has suffered like making money that way, but, um, being creative, um, that hasn't really suffered very much, which has been nice. The only thing worse than a Nashville tornado and COVID would be a COVID tornado. (laughs) (laughs) Don't rule it out yet. Yeah, no, yeah. you never know what could happen. Well, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast today, Mallory. It was really nice chatting with you. I mean, great Me to catch too. up with you. I haven't spoken in a little while. Uh, for anybody who's listening at home, can you just let everybody know where they can find you? Of course. So I'm all over socials um, on Instagram and Twitter, Mal Johnson Music, uh, Facebook, Mallory Johnson Music. My website's MalloryJohnsonMusic.com. And that has links to, you know, Spotify, Apple, all that, all that fun stuff. Well, thanks again for coming on, Mallory. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to do this. I look forward to catching up with you in 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 the future and best of luck with everything. Thank you so much, Dave. This has been so much fun. I I really appreciate it. And it was, yeah, super awesome to catch up. I can't Uh, wait to see you in person. Likewise. (laughs) All right. Catch you soon. Take care. Take care. Big thanks to Mallory for coming on. Loved having that conversation. I mean, just a, like I mentioned, just such a lovely person to chat with. Uh, her story is so compelling. I mean, imagine 
touring with your family band at 11 years old and, and you know, really getting a taste for, for what that life is like. Uh, you got to really hand it to her for making that move to Nashville. It's not an easy decision to make. I mean, she said it, you know, people get comfortable here and, 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 and just are content with what they are. And, and it doesn't seem like Mallory's ever content. She wants to keep pushing, keep moving forward. I uh, loved having that chat with her and, and really, really neat story. Uh, other than that, guys, not much going on here. I'll be back Friday again for a live feed. Going to be singing some songs on my Facebook page. Uh, hopefully for not too much longer. You know, hopefully we'll get back out into the city and, and, and into the pubs and, and get some songs going for, for people in, in person again. Um, as I mentioned last week, I'm still looking for a sponsor, guys. Picked up one last week from Jack Daniels for my, my Facebook live feed. I'd love to pick up a sponsor here for, um, for my podcast where I could, I can just do a couple ad reads for you and, you know, we'll, we'll throw up, uh, you know, some, some advertising for you and, and that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, if you're out there and you, and you want me to, uh, if you want to sponsor me, please, please shoot me a message and, and let's chat about that. Um, other than that, you can find me, you know, on my Facebook page, Dave Witty, and, and on my Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff back live feed for, for Friday night, singing some songs and, um, yeah, you can catch me there. Uh, thanks again to everybody who's tuned in so far, really enjoying doing the podcast and look forward to catching up with everybody soon. Peace. <laughs>